to welcome everyone out to the services this morning. Special like to welcome any visitors we may have. We appreciate you being here with us today. I know we still have some folks on the road, some folks trying to leave. I think the Anthony and his family are catching a flight at three, so I promise not to speak more than three or four hours. Um, I think they're going on a senior trip, so that'd be fun. But today is a special day. Today is Father's Day. Just by coincidence this year, mix up in the schedule, I had to do some swapping with, with Tim, but you know, I spoke on Mother's Day and, and now Father's Day this year, and, and I told you during that lesson on mothers that I enjoy researching a little bit about the, the history of holidays. I don't know why I get, I'm weird, but you know, some say the very first Father's Day celebration actually took place on July 5th, 1908 in West Virginia. It was there on a Sunday morning, a sermon was given honoring 362 men who died in a coal mining accident. But that was just a one-time celebration. On June the 19th, 1910, the state of Washington, a woman named Sonora Dodd brought about the very first Father's Day in our country. You see, Miss Dodd, along with her five siblings, were raised solely by her father. And this began Father's Day. However, it was not until 1972 58 years after mothers got their day, uh, that the day became official and a national holiday in the United States. Unlike Mother's Day, Father's Day was not well received by the men at the time. One thing I read I thought was kind of interesting. They scoffed at the holiday's sentimental attempts to domesticate manliness <laughs> with flowers and gift giving. It gets better. Or they derided the proliferation of such holidays as a commercial gimmick to sell more products, often paid for by the fathers themselves. That's what happened in my house. I told my wife the other day, I said, hey, I just bought my Father's Day present. It's in my office. Throughout those times, the holiday of Father's Day was met with mixed emotions and, and opinions. It seemed to have changed during World War II. Men went off to war, uh, war I guess, uh, put things into perspective. I guess when Miss Dodd reflected back on her childhood, she remembered the great love and hard work her father showed her and the family. She stood up and said, this man deserves honor also. Where's the day for him? But I find it interesting what she actually said about Father's Day uh, in a quote I found. A Father's Day would call atten attention to such constructive teachings from the pulpit as would naturally point out, the father's place in the home, the training of children, the safeguarding of the marriage tie, the protection of womanhood and childhood. The meaning of this, whether in light of religion or patriotism, is so apparent as to need no argument in behalf of such a day. Very interesting and, and profound. Yes, this day is to honor our fathers, but she also emphasizes the need to remind fathers of their duties and responsibilities from the pulpit either as a sense of duty to God or to country. Miss Dodd was sitting in church with her father on Mother's Day when this thought of Father's Day came to her. And brother, and I have no doubt in my mind she had so much respect and honor for her father. I have no doubt that came to, to, to take place because she was raised in that pew. She was raised by a God-fearing, loving Christian father. You know, there are a lot of different feelings and emotions in this holiday. Many of us have lost our fathers, so today very well could be a sad day. A day that 
we miss our dad, our, our confidant, our, in my case, my, my spiritual advisor, dear friend and brother in Christ. We think about all those little things he used to say. Those things that at the time you know, used to get on our nerves, quite frankly. But you'd give anything to hear them again. We think of all the advice that he gave. Some we took to heart, some we did not. And most of that we wish we had back. And each of you had those things. There are countless things my dad said over the years that I repeat quite frequently, some from, from this pulpit. There are lessons and advice passed on from him to my children, his grandchildren. For example, I cannot tell you how many times me and my brothers heard this, I don't care what you do for a living. I only ask you two things. Be a Christian husband and a Christian father. And you can do that flipping hamburgers if you have to. And that's it. That's really the only goal I ever remember my dad sharing with us. He never said, I want you to have this great career. I want you to have this big fancy house or I want whatever. That was it. Christian husband, Christian father. If you can do those two things, everything else will be just fine. My kids know what's coming next because they've heard it their entire lives. I don't even remember the situation or why the conversation took place, but I can tell you exactly where I was sitting. I can tell you the exact look on my dad's face when he said it. He said, son, you've got to remember this old world, that's what he always said, this old world can take everything you've got except for your faith, your integrity, and your name. You can keep the faith, you can maintain your integrity, and you don't ever forget who you represent. He would always, always follow that up with, no one can take these things from you, but you can give away every single one of them. You can give up your faith, your integrity, and you can ruin your name. I realize I was very blessed to be raised in a Christian home, as many of you were. My father was a leader in this very congregation. And I want you to know I thank God every day for that example. But on this day, I know that that's not the case for everybody here this morning. I know some of you look back on your child and childhood and, and maybe you didn't have good times. There were, maybe there, there were no words of wisdom or encouraging words or the simple I love you. I don't know. So today may be a sad day for a different reason. But on a side note, I want you to know that no matter what your childhood was or maybe what your childhood is right now, despite your situation, you do have a father. You have a heavenly father and a father that loves you. A father, when compared to earthly fathers, is incomparable. You know, I think Greg and Brad and Jeff, I think all those guys are great dads. Compared to God and his love, they're considered evil. Matthew 7, 11, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? That's your Father. You are a child of God, and brethren, celebrate that and honor Him. Honor Him all year round. And of course, some of us here this morning still have our fathers, and, and many of us are, are fathers right now. You know what I've found to be true? The job of father never really stops. It's not like there comes a time when your role ceases to exist. It is true that your roles change, 
but you always be dad. There's a show, I, I say it's a show, I saw it on YouTube, I don't know if it's a frequent show, but it's called Caught in Providence, I don't know if y'all have seen it. It's about some city judge and he hears like misdemeanor cases. Anyways, this old man walks in and he is old, old. I mean, he's like 96, 98 years old, he's barely walking, he's shaking. Walks into court and he got caught speeding in the school zone. Anyways, he tells the judge, yeah, I don't, judge, I don't, I don't drive fast. He goes, I only drive when I have to. But I was trying to take my son to get blood work. My son's handicapped and he's got cancer. The judge immediately switches gears. You could see it in his face. I mean, he's, he's doing everything he could do not to choke up himself. He goes, you're taking your son to the doctor? You're 96 years old. He goes, you, sir, is what America is all about. You are in your 90s and you're still taking care of your family. Son was 63. A father's love and his duty to his family does not end, ever. It changes in ways. I had an interesting feeling the last week or so, or a sigh of relief. I really don't know what you call it. But as you know, I have two children. My daughter starts her career in a few weeks. I had to sit down with her and discuss the different health plans and retirement plans. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. Ethan calls last week and says, hey, I just accepted this position. Eugene, I got this weird feeling. Now, I, don't know, I really don't know what it was, excitement, a little anxiety, uh, nervous, relief, all at the same time. But I realized everything's going to be okay. If something happens, they can now support themselves. And I felt myself slipping into a different role as a father. My role is gradually changing. Some of you older fathers have already experienced that. And we're going to discuss those roles we have in just a minute. But I want to share some quotes with you I found about fathers. I enjoy this, especially Mark Twain. This is a good one. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have that old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much that old man had learned in just a short seven years. <laughs> Walter Schraw, you don't raise heroes, you raise sons and you treat them like sons, they'll turn out to be heroes, even if it's just in your own eyes. Frederick Douglass, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Let me tell you something. You can blame it on whatever you want to blame it on. You can blame it on politics, uh, economy, a virus. You can blame it on history, but you would all be wrong. What's wrong in our society today starts in the home, period. It starts with the fact that 18.3 million children live in a home without a father. Build strong children. A few statistics I found that I think they're pretty interesting. If the father does not attend church and practice his faith, there is only one in 50 chance his children will. But if he does practice his faith by attending church regularly, there's a 78% chance that his children will. Charles Kettering, every father should remember one day his son will follow his example, not his advice. And I'd like to take that a step further. They will follow your example, whether that example is good or bad. And I don't know where this one came from. I just heard it, so I don't have a name. Your children only get one childhood. Dads, make sure it's a good one. Max Licato, my father didn't do anything unusual. He only did what dads are supposed to do, be there. Matthew Buckley, being a father means you have to think fast on your feet. 
You must be judicious, wise, brave, tender, and willing to put on a frilly hat and sit down at a pretend tea party. The presence and involvement of a father is unlike anything else in the universe. That's because dads mimic what our Heavenly Father does for us, His children. He protects, shelters, comforts, and loves. Job Adaglia. Have you ever thought about that? Jeff, there will be a day that you will sit down with John and you will explain in more detail the relationship and the love of our, of our Heavenly Father. You will use the word God. You will use the word Father. And that young child, teenager, whatever the case is, will immediately think of you, dads. That is their reference point. Brother, my question to you this morning, are you as a father a good reference point? When your children look at you, do they see, do they get a small glimpse? Now I know we can't compare, but do they get a small glimpse of the love of our, of our Heavenly Father? I pray they do. I pray we are showing them that. In a society where homes are breaking down, they need that. In a society where men are displayed on TV shows as idiots and incompetent, I pray we prove them wrong. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go talk to some of our older brethren that used to watch Father Knows Best. He was a hard-working, wise, moral father. A man to look up to with honor. Now the father on TV is the joke or the clown of the show. He's the one with the problems and causing problems, if he's there at all. We need to be the Christ-like example, fathers. We need to show our children that Christ is not a way. Christ is the only way. Our children need to know that God is number one in our families at all times, even above them. The reality is, all these things we see and we hear, they are hurting our homes. It's hurting fathers. It's hurting fatherhood in general. We need to get back to the fact that the role of a father in the home is vital and it's essential because that's the way God designed it. So I will admit to you this morning, there have been times that myself and others uh, we speak on fathers, and it sounds like we're just laying down the law. <laughs> Here we go again. We praise moms on Mother's Day, and then we read the right act to dads on Father's Day. <laughs> I pray that as we study our role as fathers today, don't look at it as reading right act. Don't look at it as a, a, in a negative manner. Look at it the way God intended it to be. Brethren, it is an honor to be a father. And your roles or duties not only serve your family, but brethren, you are serving God. Have you ever thought about that? I have, usually in failure. When I fail as a father or as a husband, brethren, I'm failing more than my family. I'm failing my God. That is an awesome responsibility that should be viewed with honor. Not that I would ever suggest being boastful, but you should be proud of your title. You're a father. You're a dad. And that is a beautiful blessing that should be honored and celebrated. What is our role? 1 Corinthians 11 and 3, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. 
Ephesians 5 and 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And how do we do that? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. 1 Timothy 2 and 11, let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Brethren, as the husband and father, we are the head of our homes. And this is a very, very unpopular view today. Our TV, music, politicians, you name it, groups, organizations, they want to strip the duty of fatherhood away from you. In a world where they don't even want to recognize you as a man, they definitely do not want to give you authority over another human being. Unpopular or not, this is God's plan. You want to know why marriages fail? Not following God's plan. You want to know why fathers fail? Not following God's plan. And brethren, it is really that simple. We just have to choose. We are the head of our homes the way Christ is the head of the church. When others watched, he was washing feet. He led by example. Be a leader in your home. Brethren, the greatest gift you can ever give your children is to introduce them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you do that through example. You want to ruin and scar your child? Abuse this position of authority that you have. Lead with a heavy hand instead of a loving heart. Put your feet on your wife like she's a cheap step stool instead of placing her on a pedestal. Christ led with love and humility and consideration for the church's needs. Allow your children to see that. Allow them to see God in you. Be Christ-like. 1 Peter 2 and 21 for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. 1 Peter 3 and 7, Likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Sean, now wait a second. <laughs> I thought we were talking about being fathers, not husbands today. Brethren, what else could you give a child? And what else could you do as a father than to show your children how to be a Christian husband? Let them see that. I want to show my son how to love and honor and lead his home in a Christian manner. I want to show my future daughter-in-law that this is the way he was raised. And this is what she should expect. She should expect him to conduct himself in a Christian manner as a Christian husband. Because that is what God expects of him. And he made a vow, or he will make a vow to her someday, but more importantly, he will make a vow to God. I want my daughter to see what a Christian home looks like that is led by a God-fearing child of God who places him first. A husband and father that loves and leads out of humility and dignity. I pray when the term head of your house is mentioned, I pray my children see that as a beautiful thing, a God thing. I pray that my daughter will long and desire a man that leads in a Christian manner, a man that is not afraid to say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. 
We must be the spiritual leaders in our homes. Ephesians 6 and 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I've actually given an entire lesson on the first part of this verse alone. Provoke not your children to wrath. And we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that, that particular part this morning, but we must remember in a nutshell, when parenting and when leading our homes, do not say things that intentionally cause bitterness and anger uh, or malice or any other negative feeling for that matter. Yes, there will be things that hurt feelings, but never intentionally cause wrath in your child. But the second part of that verse is what we would like to discuss this morning. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we'll take a, a look at the first part of that. Bring them up. Brent, you know what that does not say? It does not say, hey, now that Zane is in college, I need to go out there and, and make sure he understands his whole religion stuff. Brother, let me tell you, if you're waiting, you've already waited too long. I'm going to repeat that. If you are waiting to teach Christ to your children, you are, you've already waited too long. Ken Ham, who wrote Already Gone, shows that college students are leaving the church at a higher rate than ever before. But the truth is, the decisions and actions or lack of actions by the fathers in their homes affects them long before they leave the home. I encourage you to look up some of his stats. They're pretty interesting. The fact is, we like to blame it on liberal teaching and liberal college professors, which, I believe me, I know doesn't help. But the truth is, the breakdown started long before that. The second thing we should notice is bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6 and 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy table, and when thou walkest by thy way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on the gates. Bringing a child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is so much more than discipline. Yes, we should teach certain things are wrong, but brethren, we have to start teaching certain things are right. It's so much more than bringing them here on Sundays and Wednesdays. Brethren, this is all day, every day. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by thy way, when you lay down and when you get up. Write them on your house, on your gates. We teach the Word of God through studying, yes, but through example also. From sun up to sundown, your children see God in you. Do they see a Christian leader? I'll never forget, we were driving down Gus Thompson, and I was young. I don't know how old I was. Um, I remember these things. If, I'm, if I wasn't driving, that means I was before 16, because my dad always made me drive later on. Um, we were driving down Gus Thompson in the Volkswagen van. You could probably ask Mom how long ago we drove that embarrassment, but um, <laughs> it was the Volkswagen van. Anyways, there was a lady with a flat tire on the side of the road, and we busted you. We turn around, we get out, and we, we fix the tire, and I got to noticing, 
man, that was going to happen every time. Every time me and Dad tried to go somewhere, we, we were going to stop and, and help somebody with a flat tire. But anyway, I, I don't know if I said something to him or what. But he told me, he goes, boy, don't you ever pass a lady on the side of the road. That lady could be your mama next week, and you would hope somebody would stop and help her. Okay. I can assure you, Lori and I have been on a many a date nights that we missed because she was sitting there in the car looking at YouTube while I was changing the tire on the side of the road. But the best was when we were driving one day. Ethan exits. I don't know what he's doing. He busts you. He comes back, and he changes the tire on the side of the road. Brethren, your example of love will be passed down from generation to generation through example. I've got a couple of great kids. They're starting to do very well for themselves. But folks, it would be for naught. It would be a waste if I failed to teach them Jesus. Teach them Christian love. One of my kids would call and say, hey, I got an A on a test. I said, hey, great job. Way to go. I know you worked hard for that. By the way, have you called mom today? All right, love you, bye. They call and say, Dad, I was studying the other night. I got a question on a verse. They first get a pause because that's when I'm saying my little prayer. Thank you, God. Thank you. From the time I rise up until I go to bed. 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. Be ye followers of, followers of me, even as I, as I also am of Christ. We often confuse this verse and we look at Paul and think, man, that's kind of arrogant of him to say that, self-righteous. That's not what he's really saying. Paul's saying, follow my example the way I follow Jesus' example. Be that example. Show your children there is more to being a Christian than showing up for services. I know I keep telling dad stories this morning, but it's Father's Day. I asked my dad one time, you know, we read and discuss the Bible a lot. We did it all growing up. Why didn't you ever make us memorize verses? That'd be pretty handy, you know, being as we preach and all. Dad said, son, there's nothing wrong with memorizing verses. I think that's neat. I just try to concentrate more on living them than memorizing them. Are you a living Bible? And do your children see that? The most accepted opinion, in my opinion, of the writer of Ecclesiastes is Solomon. If you'd like to turn to Ecclesiastes 2, starting in verse 4, a rather lengthy reading. I made my great works, I built my houses, I planted my vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my houses. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works and that my hands had wrought and all the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit and there was no profit under the sun. And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. But what can the man do that cometh after the king? Even that which hath been already done. Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly as far as light excelleth darkness. 
The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Then said I in my heart, as it happened to the fool, so it happened even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten, and how dieth the wise man as the fool. First Kings 4, And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. Solomon was known as the wisest person ever. And what did he say? Fathers, if there was one everlasting piece of advice that you could leave your children above all the riches, Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments. For that's the whole duty of man. Brother and I can have a bank account that looks like Trump's. I could have the popularity of Emmett Smith. I can look like a model on a cover of a magazine. I can be and have it all if I have failed to lead my home in a Christian manner, if I have failed to introduce my children to Jesus Christ. Brethren, if I have failed to be a godly example, then I have failed as a parent and as a father. Lori and I have worked with a number of couples and young parents over the years, and every one of them will tell you we say the exact same thing that probably gets a little repetitive. Do what God says and be deliberate about it. And that's the next thing I'd like to briefly cover this morning. Fathers, parents in general. Being a Christian father is not something that happens on accident. This is not a magical uh, wand. There's no pixie dust. There's no switch that you flip. You just don't become a Christian father. Understand, again, there is a difference between a father, a dad, and a Christian father. Any male can be a biological father. Any worldly guy can be a dad. There are some good worldly guys out there that I know. But a Christian father, now that's the narrow road, and that's the one less traveled. And it is a road that you have to deliberately strive to travel. It is difficult. And sometimes it's plain hard. But years down the road, like Sarah and Eugene, like my mother, like Tim, Sandy, like many of you, when you sit in the worship services of your God with not only your children, but your grandchildren, fathers, it's worth it. Be deliberate. Set a goal to be a Christian father. And do not accept anything less. Well, Sean, I'm, you know, I'm human. I'm going to fail at times. Absolutely, you will. You will fail as a husband, and you will fail as a father. Romans 3 says, all fall short of the glory of God except dads. Yeah, that's not what it says. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I think this is a priceless teaching moment as a father. Turn something negative into something positive. As a father, you'll lose your temper, say something you shouldn't say, react in a manner that is just not Christ-like. And let me tell you, I personally believe my children and I have grown closer in these moments. It's my personal opinion. 
guess you could ask them. When I have looked at them and said, hey, look, here's the deal. Yesterday when you told me about whatever, I spoke without thinking. I believe I'm right, but what I said, the way I said it was wrong. I did not say that out of love, and I'm sorry. What does that do? It teaches your children, it teaches that child that they too will make mistakes. They too will need to own those mistakes and repent of those mistakes. Sound familiar? Your Christian walk is on display from the time you lay down to the time you rise up. I will tell you something else, something that Lori and I have learned. Young parents especially, listen up if you will. I believe as a whole in the church, churches around the nation, Christian parents have failed our children when it comes to this. We somehow along the way have tried to make an attempt or make our children believe that we walk on water and that we make no mistakes. We make them believe we are perfect, or at least we think we are. Is that a Christian example? Brother, right or wrong, we believe right. Lori and I shared our shortcomings, our mistakes, our sins with our children. Because we didn't want them to make the same mistakes. Why have them go through the same stuff? And the result of that is my kids know what I am. I am a sinner cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. I'm not someone who thinks they do no wrong. I'm the guy that is still amazed that God would love me and still can't grasp that half the time. And what that has done is it opens up communication with your children. Let me ask you something. Dads, and I want you to think about this for a minute. If a child makes a mistake, and I'm not talking about spilling their Kool-Aid. I'm talking about a serious mistake. Your teenage son really messes up. Who are they more likely to turn to? The parent that projects themselves as perfect, having never made a mistake? Or the parent who has shared their struggles and who's shared God's grace? Dads, ask yourself this. Do you create an environment that is conducive for repentance? Or is your house simply a house of judgment and discipline? I would like to remind you that the relationship your child has with their father is the only worldly example they have to even get a glimpse of their heavenly father. What is that glimpse going to be? A glimpse of love and, and forgiveness a glimpse of support and grace and mercy. And please don't get me wrong, I'm not taking away discipline, but the nature of our discipline should be Christ-like. I was doing some research on fathers this past week and somehow got to reading quotes and, and advice from average people, not movie stars, athletes, politicians, or anybody like that, just people like me and you. And you know what probably the single most important thing children, young and grown, would thank their fathers for? Time. Dad, thank you for taking the time to whatever, fill in the blank. Thank you for spending time with me. Thank you for those late nights studying algebra. Dad, thanks for going outside and playing catch. Psalms 127 and 3. <clears throat> Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. 
As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of thy youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Brethren, we should look at our children, young and old, as priceless blessings from God and spend time with those blessings. So often in our busy lives, especially dads, we do not give the time that our children need. Maybe we'd rather go hang out with the guys, work in the garage, go fishing or whatever the case is. How about just throwing the ball? I cannot name a single duck hunt I went on with my kids that we didn't have a good talk. A lot of times over Scripture. I heard one time, well, you know, my dad never spent any time with me. He was too busy working. And I turned out just fine. Just fine what you're looking for? Are you looking for just fine? Is mediocrity your goal? I'm sorry, but your relationship with your child should exceed that. Sean, I'm just not a kid person. Well, brother, you better make yourself a kid person. Be deliberate. Heard a dad say one time, I didn't really want to spend time with that boy. I had nothing in common. He was too young. Then that boy got older and he started getting fun and he didn't want to spend any time with this old man. I was sitting in a duck blind again. I was sitting in a duck blind years ago with my hunting buddy and he asked, hey, Ethan hunting this year? I'm like, well, he just turned four and it's 20 degrees out here. Yeah. Okay, I said, well, Doug, you know, he, he, he's young. He goes, Sean, let me tell you something. You take your boy hunting today, you won't be hunting for your boy tomorrow. Last night, our ladies had a study over at the Wheeler house and Landon got to come over and have some guy time. Ate pizza till we felt sick, I guess. But anyway, me, him, and Ethan. And I told him, I said, hey, man, I got to finish up my sermon. You won't help me with it. And he told me, he said, you know, when we were talking about things that were going on at school, he remembered, and he couldn't remember, he thought it was 1 Corinthians something. He said, we, he remembered reading the Bible and we talked about what was in that Bible. I don't remember if he knows what I said, but he remembered when, when we were seeking advice and when we needed help, we turned to God. That's what he remembered. Spend time with your children. Spend time putting God in the forefront. Brethren, sometimes spending time with your children is just listening, especially as they get older. Sometimes they just need an ear. And that's where your role as a dad is, is starting to transition, and that's okay. But dads, hear me say this, please. If you do not spend time with your children when they are young, quality time, do not expect them to spend time with you later on. If you don't talk to your son or your daughter when they are young, do not get upset when they don't talk to you later on in life. Because that's the example that you set. And they're following your lead. Another honor that we have as fathers is to provide for our family, not only spiritually, but physically. 1 Timothy 5 and 8, But if any provide not for his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You know, I've said this before, but if you think God can't be sarcastic, you're wrong. If you think he can't be funny at times, you're wrong. And if you don't think God can slap you right between the eyes with harshness at times, you're wrong. I don't believe it can be any more clear than this. If you don't provide for your family's needs, you have denied the faith. You've denied him, and you're worse than an infidel. 
My dad always say there are only two things I try to teach my children, quite frankly. I teach them God and I teach them how to work. Those two things. Men, just remember, you are to provide for their needs, not all their wants. And there's a line that we often cross. When our unneeded wants take time away from our godly example, that's the problem. And we have failed. When we fail to provide for physical needs, we again have failed. But there's a line that you have to figure out, but there does need to be one. There needs to be an understanding in your home that we work for what we get. Because that's what God expects of His people. It's the way we treat our family. Again, we answer to a higher calling than just our wives and our children. Hebrews 12 and 11 now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Proverbs 22 and 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Discipline, along with providing for your family, are both lessons in themselves. I do not have time to get into this morning, but I do want to remind you, we also have a duty to discipline our children. We discipline them with love and patience and grace. Tim frequently uses this phrase when we're talking about something else, but kind of adapted it. Discipline always takes time and patience. You're in it for the long haul. Just a little hint. If a child makes a mistake and from the point of observing through the act of discipline is 60 seconds, you didn't discipline that child. You doled out some punishment. In some cases, you may abuse them, but there was no correcting of behavior. Excluding a toddler touching a hot stove, I get that. Take the time, once again, take the time to discipline in a Christ-like manner. Talk to your child. Let them explain to you what happened. It can be comical at times. Hear them out. Talk about their mistake. Take action. Spend time reconciling with that child. Make them understand it was out of love and a need to raise them up in according to God's will. They need to know there's consequences for their actions. Let them make that choice. I remember one time Ethan was laying down watching cartoons. He was young. And Emma walks up behind him. He's laying like this way with his head facing the TV. And I see what she's doing. She's little. She picks up this little plastic Tonka truck, and she walks up, and she rears back just like this. And I said, Emma Lynn? If you hit your brother, I'm going to whoop your bottom. And she went, crack. She walked to her room, laid down on her bed, and took her whooping. She weighed the consequences, and I guess she figured it was worth it. <laughs> we have to discipline our children. That's God's will. Sean, come on now. Are you telling me? Yes, I am. As painful as it was, because this is the way my father taught me. That's exactly what Lori and I did. If we did not have the time to discipline correctly, we did it at another time. And we did it right, or we believed we did it right. That is a very heavy responsibility that, Dad, you are ultimately responsible for. Take that responsibility to heart. Don't spare the rod is what we teach. That is what God teaches. You're talking about striking your child. 
Let's just be honest. We are causing a little small amount of physical pain to a being that Christ himself showed exception to. Brother, and I think that's worth your time. And it's worth your time to do it, and it's worth your time to do it right. It's worth our time because it is necessary to bring them up in God's will. Proverbs 13 and 24, He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. If you love your child, you will discipline them in a Christian manner. Fathers in the audience this morning, I pray we continue to strive to be the spiritual leader in our family, both in word and most importantly in deed. I pray we are the example our children look to. Ezekiel 22 and 30, And I sought a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Men, fathers, God needs you to stand in the gap. Your family needs you to be a Christian husband and a Christian father. When your children come home, I pray they feel loved. I pray they feel safe. Safe in the arms of a protective and loving father. Because brethren, someday, someday you and your child will talk about the greatest father of all. The fathers whose love you cannot possibly begin to describe. And brethren, they need that baseline. They need to have some glimpse into that relationship. And you owe it to them to give them that. Brethren, we have certain duties and responsibilities as husbands and fathers, and I pray we do them deliberately. Strive each and every day to be more like your Heavenly Father. And I know we have not covered all these things, especially not in detail. I encourage you to continually study those. Be deliberate and put forth effort in your parenting. You know what's amazing to me? Is for our careers, we'll do all kinds of things for our careers. We'll do all, you know, when, when Ethan wanted to start pitching, buddy, I went to all these pitching camps just to learn how to, to, to teach a kid how to pitch. I got with Tim, got with, I got with all these people, you know, because I want to teach him how to pitch. What am I doing to better myself as a father? We need to get in the book. We need to pray. Some of you will have the opportunity to spend this afternoon with your fathers. Thank them. Give them a hug. Let them know what they mean to you. Father, thank your children. Thank them for giving you the opportunity to be their dad. For those of us that will not be able to spend time with our dads today, I pray we get to reflect back on some good times. But I want you to look at where you are right now. You're here this morning worshiping God, and that's a legacy worth having. Perhaps you could thank your dad for a job well done. I believe I will. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you wish to do that, or perhaps you would like the prayers of the church, we would ask you to please come forward as we stand and sing.